Hello, welcome back to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm delighted to be joined today by Sam Bradley, retired haulier and trucker facilities campaigner. You may well know her and her uh, long-time colleague Gillian from uh, much of the work that they've done, uh, very active on social media, particularly on Twitter. Over the last few years, they were running a campaign called Truckers Toilets UK and they have done a lot of work helping uh, drivers and helping push for better facilities. Hello, Sam. Delighted to have you on the podcast. This has been a long time coming. Morning, Dougie. Thank you for asking me. Give us your background in transport, Sam. Okay. Well, I was a driver at the age of 21, which was the late 80s, and I had a relatively short driving career, about five years, I think it was, mainly bulk tippers. Uh, My dad actually had um, a fridge uh, trailer. He was an owner-driver for Christian Salveson, so it was all the wine shops down in Barnes in London and all those squidgy areas that we used to get a 40-foot trailer around. And so, yeah, my granddad was a haulier as well, but I soon realised that it wasn't, you know, I thought, oh, it's going to be this job of freedom. And it's not. It's a really uh, responsible job. But the way I got involved with the facility issue was is um, my husband was diagnosed with bladder cancer in 2012. And it was a huge shock because I had to move quick with it. The only sign he had was he passed a little bit of blood when he went to the toilet. If he'd not seen that, I don't think he'd be here. And I'm not being dramatic about that. That's the truth. And how many drivers go to the loo and you wouldn't see that at the side of the wheel in the dark. And it was whilst he was in hospital having some treatment, it was May, I remember, and I'd forgotten the ad blue tank was coming. And I went past the yard gates, all the lads were out um, and just to check everything was locked up. And there sat the ad blue tanker. We're in an industrial area in the middle of nowhere. So I pulled in and I said, do you want me to open the gates? I'm really sorry, you know, I forgot all about it. And I'll lock up when I come back. And he said, he said he couldn't. He was on a, he was on a 10 hour and he, he sort of kept coming thinking he'd catch us in. And then he asked how, day, how my husband was. And it, it made dawned on me then that he had gone out of his way knowing what we were going through and struggling with it. And he'd done that as a favour and he'd ended up with no food, nothing. So I fetched him food and then frightened him half to death because I said, oh, you know, come home, have a shower. You know, all this as you do with strange men you've never met before. And it touched me and I thought something's got to happen about this. And actually thinking about the facility issue got me through, you know, something else to think about other than what we were having to go through because the treatment isn't pleasant. And um Yeah, it was that. And it was through social media that I met Gillian. And as I say, I'm I'm very good, probably better in a supporting role than I am in a leading role. And without Gillian's hand to hold, I don't think I would have been able to, or we wouldn't have been able to, sorry, to take it as far as we could. We were Road Haulage Association members. And the then uh, head of the Road Haulage Association was Richard Burnett. I've got a lot of time for Richard because he took on board immediately what, what the situation was and met with Gillian and I. And really, if it hadn't have been for the RHA giving us the public platform, I don't think things would have got as far as it was. Um, Richard's left the RHA now and I actually rang him a couple of weeks ago and I did actually thank him and tell him what trouble he'd caused because, you know, we've come this this far. But again, I'm grateful to Transport Focus for giving us a voice. Yeah. 
we met up last week. If you'll have a chance, we'd never met before, although we'd spoken a lot on email and social media and things, at this event at the Holly's Truck Stop, which was the Department for Transport talking all about this £100 million pounds that they've got available for new facilities in England. That's right. It was, uh, it was, it was actually a, a relief to see that uh, I think the penny has finally dropped, that if the facility issue isn't sorted out, then they're not going to be able to attract any more drivers to the industry. I mean, at the end of the day, who wants to go to work and then have to go to bed without a shower and a hot meal? And that's what a heck of a lot of drivers do every single day. Yeah, um, well, and it's not acceptable. Yeah, and to fill uh, listeners in, what it was was the Department for Transport uh, launched last November at the Red Lion truck stop in Northampton. They were going to be um, making available one hundred million pounds of funding to improve facilities for truck drivers, whether that was new facilities or expanding on existing facilities, and working with the big providers, your roadside motorway services people to make sure things are better. So they'd run a load of surveys. There was a lot of people in suits milling about. And funnily enough, this truck stop is open at the same time. And there were a lot of drivers sitting and having their breakfast in the morning as well. And there were a lot of, uh, I would say, sort of executives. And you could see the look at some of the drivers walking in, like getting a coffee and going to the toilet going, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I noticed that too, to be fair. I felt like I nearly had to explain myself. You know, this isn't me. It's just... You know, it's just one of those meetings that we have to do. It's all about you. But I thought you're 45 minutes, you just want to switch off. You don't really want to listen to somebody boring you about the, you know, the everyday and how long it's taken us to get to this point, Dougie. That's that's another good point. Yeah, well, the thing was, I mean, obviously, what there were a lot of um, sort of corporate people there and it, there was a, the roads minister had turned up a chap called Richard Holden, who's the MP for Durham, I think, and he mm-hmm. he arrived. He was late because he got the train, you know. Was it just, just yes, just drive. the irony is yeah. not lost. Don't worry, yeah, yes. just yeah. just drive. And of course, any driver who was sitting, if you 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 packed a room with drivers, would be sitting going, oh yeah, really, really. But yeah. the thing the thing is, at, at least. These people, I mean, it was the Department for Transport, it's HM government, there were, re- there were representatives there from some of the big roadside service operators and things. And like you yeah. said, at least now they're talking about it and they're acknowledging it. And if you take it on face value, they said all the right things. You're like, oh, that's really impressive. But now we need to see them back it up with action. We do. But but regards the actual, to the transport focus that hosted the meeting, I am so impressed with them. They have listened. And if you if you have a look at transport focus background, it isn't just the facility situation they're involved in. It's all manner of things right across the transport network. And the very fact that they have stepped up, which they have, and we've had, Gillian and I have had loads of uh, meetings earlier this year and last year, uh, Zoom meetings with them, and they have asked us what drivers want. And, um, you know, no pressure, but we've had to say, look, it's clean, available facilities. That is exactly what they want, but they've got to be they've got to be secure. Nowadays, certainly the the motorway service areas must be secure. The smaller independent truck stops, actually, the standards of when you're on social media, because I've I've joined a lot of the social media groups. You know, drivers asking where's safe to park, and they've really stepped up to it. Uh-huh. Um, ADS at Stoke on Trent is one of them. 
and they're full pretty much every night. And it is literally a hot meal, a clean shower, toilet, and a safe place to park. Yeah, it's not rocket science. I'm not asking for a room. No. I'm not asking for a room at the Hilton or a jacuzzi or anything like that. No. It's just the absolute basics. That's all anybody wants. You know, it needs to be available and it needs to be affordable. And they were, they were talking a lot about um, all the various various facilities. The one that always gets the biggest kicking and the one that needs the most attention is the motorway services because the yes. price that they are charging, you could bloody well expect a jacuzzi just the about for, yes. the price some, for some of that. Yes. You can literally, because I use, when I'm running up and down the country doing stuff for trucking driver, I'll quite often book myself into a travel lodge because, you know, I'm, I'm nice and I like to, you know, just go into, I just like to book the basic thing for the company, yeah. I don't go and book myself into anything fancy. And literally, if there's certain nights where travel lodges have a low demand where you can get a cheap room and it costs you less to book a travel lodge than it would do to park the truck out there. For which, exactly. For which you, but the problem, for which the, you get nothing. No, exactly. And and that that is the big bugbear. The, the other big bugbear, while, while I'm on the subject of this, and I don't think it is MSAs particularly, well, there are a lot of drivers that fill up at the smaller subservice stations, such as ESO, mm. and after 35 minutes, they're charged. Yeah, the, th Why? the famous one is it, um, Cobham on the A2, not the, not right. the big Cobham on the M25. Yeah, yes. it's 35 minutes and then you've got to pay a pound or two pounds or something, which shouldn't now, even be legal. I don't think no. you should be allowed to do that. There should be something that no. comes in and says, no, nah, you can't do that. It's got to be a minimum of 45 minutes. In fact, it should be an hour because by the time you get the thing in and get it parked and get it back out again, then... This is the thing. It should be an hour. And, I mean, if a statutory break, there's not the joined-up thinking. You know, the, these drivers have these rules and regulations to adhere to. They should be uh, taken the, into the first consideration when anyone is, is you know, talking about facilities or providing facilities. Then that's a no-brainer. That's ridiculous. I mean, we, we had one on an MSA who was parked there for two hours because he'd broken down. And we got a parking ticket because it's the AMPR. Well, that, yes, okay, I rang up and all the rest of it. But what if the driver's absolutely shattered or even had a medical emergency? Nobody checked on him. No, no. You know, it, it's it's wrong, really. I mean, you could go on forever about this, but, you know, it, it does happen and it's such a shame because I keep repeating this. Um, people saying 90-odd percent of things have been on the back of an HGV at some point. It hasn't. It's 100 percent of everything we have has been on the back of a lorry. Yeah. Uh, during manufacture or completion. Mm-hmm. So, and sure, you know, we'll get onto the subject of lockdown, but these these boys and girls, that literally kept us alive. Yeah, exactly. There was a, there was that glorious period where lorry drivers did seem to be more appreciated by the public, but not necessarily by anywhere that were going, because we had a hell of a kickoff for a while where they weren't allowing drivers to access facilities at all, and there was like... At the height of the hysteria, they were starting to, you know, saying, oh, well, we're going to have to close all the showers and everything because it's so dangerous. And people were getting sandwiches posted through, like, a, a, a letterbox to them yes. for quite a long time. But it's, yeah. But, I mean, this the transport focus thing, what they did was they've got to put out this fancy brochure saying about their findings mm. and what they're going to do to act upon it. It was quite interesting because, well, Richard Holden, I mean, he said, definitely said all the right things. And what he said was as well, because one of the things I, I was like, well, I'd said, well, it's all very well saying this, but it's so hard to get truck stops built or anything expanded mm. upon because people are like 
you know, they really don't want them anywhere. And they come out mm. with really spurious things like, oh, it's going to cause all sorts of pollution and noise. And if you go anywhere near a truck stop at night, it's usually silent in the evening. Very, very quiet. You, know, you might have an area where there's trailer changeovers going on somewhere else, but the place is dead at night. Everybody's got their curtains shut and pollution doesn't come into it. Trucks are vast majority of them all Euro 6 are cheaper than the cars these people will be driving about in. And I remember there was a brownfield site down in Kent where it was an old industrial area and they wanted to make it a truck stop and the kickback from the public was unreal. Bear in mind it was already an area which would have had a load of trucks going to it and it was people three miles away saying, oh, well, you know, I don't want this near my house and everything. But when you look into it, it's like, well, you can't object to that. It's nothing to do with you. You live three miles away. No, Kent is is a four-letter word, let's face it. (laughs) And I think that... Kent County Council should actually be held accountable. Uh, they have been absolutely shocking. I know they've got their voting public to adhere to, but it is the gateway to the UK with, with yeah, they're you know. Not, they're not helping the situation at all. I can't no. understand the local residents of Kent where you have got trucks parked in laybys 24-7. They never leave because as soon as one comes out, another one comes in and there's no toilet facilities there and it creates a mess. But what are Kent, do, Kent County Council what? doing to try and Ex- help that? And they're not that trying to is... help it at all. They're just like, don't park here, we'll find you and clamp you and everything. It's like, oh, those trucks don't really want to be there, you know. It's, no, it's... they have nowhere else to go. So why didn't they, first of all, make Manston uh, more available? And now all of a sudden that's got another use. So the Hawleys are back out on the road fighting, fending for themselves again. It's incompetence, I think, is probably the best word to, to, to put to it. Yeah, um, and it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and it is like banging your head against a brick wall. You keep going round in circles. I have had verbal abuse from a county councillor ended up having to put the phone down on him. This is a good few years ago. I held him accountable for something that he'd said. And the language was appalling. Um, so I said, I'm not listening to this. Sharp mentioning because it's just one of those things that you get. But you you we definitely I definitely felt in the beginning with the facility issue that it was like screaming on top of a mountain. There was nobody to listen whatsoever. It was appalling. And I have to say Credit to Gillian, having no haulage background whatsoever, and she started the campaign. We must have been thinking the same thing, but in complete different parts of the country. And the only reason I found Gillian was through social media. It, it was literally that. And bless her, she let me sort of hang on to a tailcoat. I, I think if Gillian hadn't been the one leading it, I wouldn't have had, I don't think I would have had the stamina and wherewithal to continue with it. So I think it's a case that we've we both sort of joined together and, yeah, that's where it went, really. It's, you know, you've been at it for a long time now and it does, well, it does seem like there's sort of little grass shoots coming through for stuff like this because what Holden had also said about the planning thing as well was that if there was pushback on planning, then speak to the government themselves and they would go back to the councils and basically roll over the top of them. Which was well, interesting. Exactly. Which said, you know, if there's councils kicking back saying, 
Okay, so you know, you want to go and build, okay, maybe you've got a petrol station or a garage, you went, oh, well, I've got a field here, and there was somebody in Kent who was exactly like that, they had a great big field, and they said, mm-hmm. this is in the middle of, this is out, it's on our main road, but it's in the middle of nowhere, let's make it in a truck stop. No, 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 you absolutely cannot do that, and it's like, well, where else can, do you want to put it? And they're like, oh, well, you're digging up this glorious green field, and everyone, well, fields are getting dug up everywhere for housing and, and things, well, so... What they're saying is that there's a, the money is available, but it's a price matching thing, where, yes. which is more complicated. And you can't just rock up and say, "Give me a hundred thousand pounds, so I can go and like tarmac this." If you want a hundred thousand pounds, it seems to be you've got to put on a hundred thousand pounds as well. Mm. And I don't know how that works. If you're going, to, I don't know if you can go to the bank and say, "Can I get a loan of a hundred thousand pounds?" Because if you give me it, the government's going to give me a hundred grand for the facilities as well. So look at all what I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how well, that would work. It, it, it seems it's a it seems slightly complicated, and people don't know about this. People that own garages, own truck stops, own land don't necessarily know that this scheme's operating, and there seems to be a deadline on it of the twenty fourth of February. There is, but don't you think it's all right for the... I mean, Moto, I have to admit, I gave them an absolute bashing on Twitter last year. Uh-huh. I mean, I was ruthless. Um, and to be fair to them, they they seem to have stepped up to the plate. They are actually the MSA that is leading the way with this. The others are relatively quiet. Um, so credit to Moto as a company, uh, without doubt. The other thing is, it's okay for them. They have got the yeah, well, I mean, they, money they've got the backing know. so it's great for they, yeah, they, they can fill their boots they can say hey look we've got 10 million pound to put in give us 10 million and then they'll yes. get you know well it's, it works on a certain percentage of the, it things, does but, but why why should government be backing up a private enterprise which is what it is it is a business uh-huh. you know they they and they are providing a service and and they should actually be providing it properly anyway without government having to hand it out with with relation to MSAs, I've had to think a little bit differently about this. They are actually serving all motorway users. So it isn't just about the HGVs. But the one thing that I did miss, and I was talking to another driver at the meeting last week on Thursday, and it was a case of why the one bugbear with any driver um, is fridge units when they're roaring all night and you're trying to get sleep next to them. Well, most have got electric hookups on, hookups on anyway, so why don't they put them in a nice corner with electric charging points and hook them in there and then everybody can be quiet? That's another thing that needs to be forward-thinking. Well, if you're talking about electric charging points for things anyway, the way things are going, you've got to imagine that, well, there's going to have to be this incredible rollout of infrastructure for electric charging to get all these mm-hmm. ve- electric vehicles they want on the road. And I'm, I was at a meeting a couple of years ago when Scania opened their new premises. It was when COP26 was on and all the, all the politicians flew in on their private jets. Joe Biden flew over in this jumbo, drove all these yeah. V8 Chevys and Cadillacs out the back of it and drove <laughs> all around it. All in the name of climate change and the amount of emissions that must have yeah. created. They cleaned up Glasgow because it's a bit of a tip at the moment. And what they did was they got all these diesel generators to put all these nice spotlights all around these parks and everything to make it all look pretty. <laughs> they burned a load of extra diesel for it. But, it's ridiculous. Yeah, sure. They always seem to pop up with anything like that, with any of these thoughts. Yeah, okay, they're trying to get everybody onto electric. Well, that's fine, but they put the cart before the horse. Well, you, so build the charging points. A big motorway services that actually needs all these charging points is going to need a substation yes. to accumulate all that. 
who's paying for that? You know, it's not exactly. that's not going to be that's not going to be fine. Gig Moto or Roadchef are going to pay to put an electric substation in there. I think it was National Grid were talking about what was actually required to go and do this. And I think they said, you know, we, we can do it. You know, we we can build the infrastructure to go and do all this. But I said, yeah, well, where's the, where's the money coming from? Because electric charging points enough to come in sort of sort of like everywhere. And you would think that then you would be able to hook fridges up to it if you can run them off electric like that rather than rather than diesel fuel. But it's uh, yeah, with fridge, fridges as well. I, I don't I don't know. It seems like um. There's, does there need to be like a way that haulage can operate differently so you don't have fridges sitting running overnight with the driver sleeping beside them? Could there be a way that things could be organised differently so fridges are generally not sitting like that so somebody else can come in and take it on somewhere else? But that needs a complete restructuring of how an awful lot of things work in general. You know as well, yeah, you know as well as I do, it's not that simple. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's when we had our business, we were task registered and sort of, well, some to, well, certain trailers. And I mean, fertiliser was a biggie because you couldn't keep it on overnight. Yeah. For obvious reasons. So, you know, trying to organise a day around something like that, it, it's 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 not that simple. Unless you've worked in haulage, you, you honestly yeah. cannot understand. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't that simple. No, it's not, because a lot of guys might go, and can you get in here at the end of your day to get this frozen load out of there so you can yeah. get back up the road with it tomorrow? And if you don't get in there that yeah. night, then you're not going to get back up there tomorrow because you've only got a limited amount of hours to do it. And it's, yeah, Exactly. It's, it's intensely complicated. It would, it would require like a complete sort of restructuring of the way things are things are done and that's like difficult to to do you see these like uh, fanciful sort of schemes coming out saying you know what we don't want trucks to we're going to well as people who don't run in about transport saying we're, we want to start this new scheme where trucks don't run empty and it's like do you think anybody's running an empty truck out of choice this nobody's, is, doing, this is nobody's doing any more empty miles than they have okay. to they're doing it because it's the only it's if they're running empty it's because it's cost effective because there's no alternative i had there was a meeting in my village and yes in fact i've got another one coming up in a couple of weeks and i do hope they've got the tin hats on because it's it's got to the point it is sustainable energy which is something that you know i'm in the peak park so i can't have solar panels etc well the one thing it was coming up they were moaning about the amount of hgvs on the vigelia it is a quarrying area and i said to them why do you think the lorries are on the road and you know i said they're running they don't run empty you know they have to be that is the part of a haulage it is a business running empty they're not making any money so find yourself another cycle route there are plenty of hills that you can test yourself on besides going up the vigelia if it bothers you that much and it, it's it's the ignorance, the public ignorance. Um, you might want to cut all this out. Actually, no, no, it's all lorry drivers listening to this. You know, you, it uh, is, uh, and it's it's. I feel so sorry for these drivers. The other thing is, mo I would say a good ninety percent of the vehicles that are travelling up and down that road, they're all force registered hauliers anyway. So all their drivers will have had to have done a vulnerable road user course which I went on with my lads many years ago and we had to go on push bikes. I haven't ridden a push bike since I was about eight and we had to go on the push bikes around a little town and it was hilarious because I fell off and it was like I thought I'm going to play on this 
because I'd already um, because I used to teach the driver CPC. So I knew all about, you know, what checks they were supposed to do and one thing and another. And it was quite hilarious because um, the uh, auditor walked in halfway through the meeting. And I thought, I said to our lads, I said, here we go. We're here for the full eight hours. Uh, enjoy yourself because this is going to be funny. And it was. The poor guy, I think, was about having a nervous breakdown at the end of it. Uh-huh. Um, and they got a cyclist in there that was very uh, condescending, was the better word, I think, to say. Well, why couldn't um, they get a cyclist in that also drives a lorry? But that not make sense. Well, so there you can are. see both it's, sides of the coin because there are people who do, do both things. It's not mutually exclusive. But there is. There's a lot of lorry drivers that have a, a bicycle strapped to the back of the cab because when they parked up, it's part of their exercise. One of my lads that were there was with me that day. Um, unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. Um, but he, he used to be a big cyclist. So, you know, it, it's there's just this... Unfortunately, it's the same with any section of society. You get a sort of a an overall vision of what certain people are like, and actually it's not true. You have to have a more open mind. And certainly I think the public ignorance as regards haulage and drivers, it needs to be changed. When did the truckers' toilets um, sort of banner and branding sort of uh, appear? When was that? Well, Gillian, it was, yes, it was Gillian that started it. It was already uh, on Facebook. And I think she'd probably started it. I got in touch with her, I think it was 2013. And I think she probably started it 18 months prior. The reason being, she had been somewhere and heard a couple of women, lady lorry drivers talking about how hard it was to find facilities and et cetera, um, you know, and somewhere safe to park at night. And she is a very proactive lady. She has done, led other campaigns in the past. Uh, do you know the SANS, the Still and Neonatal Deaths uh, Society? If you've if if you've had a baby, you will you will no, have heard I've, of it. I've not. I've got two. You've cats. never had no, a baby. I'm a crazy, I'm a crazy, I'm a crazy cat man. Uh, so no, Gillian had unfortunately uh, she she had a stillborn, and she started that really a support group. She is a she's uh, an inspiration. She's incredible, and I, I do. I wish that Gillian would get some recognition for this. Yeah. Um, because with, without her starting, yeah, definitely. She spent a lot of time um, meeting up with a lady called Wendy. She started the Mother Truckers group. Wendy Priestley. Wendy's worth a mention because Wendy started the Mother Truckers Facebook pages for ladies, truckers only. And I'm an honorary member, even though I'm not driving anymore. I'm an honorary member, <laughs> which I'm grateful. And... Um, the women actually have been very proactive in coming forward. If if ever we've needed to sort of ask a question about something, you get a straight answer from a group of ladies. We'll put it that way. So it's been it's been a collective effort, really. No matter, excuse me, how small people have made a contribution, it has all yeah. sort of well, reached the final end. Well, you did have a notable success as well, with uh, because it was it became like official like. Uh, because where uh, drivers went to visit a customer's yes, facilities, it made, yes, because it, it, it was made was, law. Was, yeah, there was problems where drivers would turn up at a customer's facilities. Can I use the toilet? No, no, you may not. Mm. But I've been here for two hours. Well, it wouldn't matter if you're there for two minutes or two hours. You should be allowed to use it. But then that no, became what, what, that became law because of pressure from 
I remember the I remember the moment. It it wasn't pressure. It was it was negotiation yeah, no, really. Negotiation. Yeah. I remember I remember sitting at the kitchen table and having the telephone conversation with the health and safety executive. And it was Gillian then. It was from the January in 2017 and it didn't take long and they made it law on the 1st of November 2017. I remember that month because it was, yeah, for, for for good and bad reasons. I won't go into that. And it was made law that any collecting and delivering delivery driver to any commercial site, it is different for residential but commercial, has to have access to toilet facilities. And it actually states that there should be hot water, there should be soap, all the rest of it. But lorry drivers just want somewhere clean and they can wash their hands and that's it. Yeah, as we said before, we don't want the Ritz. Even if it's a portaloo, it's better than nothing. But keep the damn thing clean. Uh Well, I remember it. When the pandemic kicked in, there were a lot of portable toilets were placed uh, in factories and things. There was no. Quite often, there was no water in them at all. It was like a tub of hand sanitizer. Yeah, and that that dragged that dragged on for a long time. I think it's largely gone now. What I found is. That there are still places that have got portable toilets in the factory or whatever it is, but which they will try and get drivers to go to. But if you go and ask them here, where's the proper toilets? They'll go, oh, they're just down the cut, they're 100 yards right, away okay. down there. So it's always worth if there's like a thunderbox sitting in the corner and go, oh, I don't really want to go into mm. that. If you ask them where the proper toilets are, generally they will tell you and they will have them, but they'll just have that thing sitting there, you know, which is maybe all right if you just want to dash in or something like that. But if you know, if you need to go and do something else, and you uh, yeah, need it's to, just no, you need to just if you want to get think about if you want to get, wa- yes. get washed up or cleaned or that, you know, ask the question because quite I, I did. There was a driver who was very angry one day. He said, "Oh well, I couldn't get into this place or that," and I was it was actually somewhere I had been, and that's how I knew. And I was like, "No, no, there are toilets there. You just." walk round yeah. and go into them just don't yeah. don't take the portable toilet on its face value it's a bit cynical but, by but, the companies to go and dump them there but yeah that was a strange time with all well, why all should that. drivers yeah. have to why should drivers have to police this yeah well exactly it's, why, it's, why should it's, it's, that... you know it's um cynical behavior by the companies for sure that... it is but the, but look when brexit happened you know when all the i don't know what it was something going off down in dover and they were queuing all up the motorways and I actually said, I can't think where it was, or a, either a paper or some media. And I said, well, has anybody considered toilets? Oh, no. So then there's fleets of, of you know, portaloos going down there. But why is it Why is it that it's never thought about? And yet if you go into an office and the toilet block breaks, then everybody's out. Everybody go home. All can't possibly be here without a toilet. Just a de- so, decades of ignorance that's rolled on and built up over a long, ignor- sort, it of is, pe- yes. long sort of period of time, you know. It's, yeah, it's it is. A strange, it's a strange situation that's been allowed to develop over the years, considering how, like, facilities are in on the continent which i've been hearing that they've got problems as well over there with crime and things like that things are getting a bit awkward in certain european countries and things where it's not, right. not necessarily that easy to park but that's another story well this is that you see when we were with the campaign i actually went to see my local uh police crime commissioner and he's not he's not there with derbyshire anymore and i took um a lady from the RHA with me. She was to do with the oh crikey, I can't think of the name now. 
There was something to do with the security issue anyway. Oh, yeah, I remember you're talking oh, about that at the time because she was quite proactive with it. I mean, for, she the was. Thing, the RHA is not traditionally very popular with drivers, but they do actually, behind the scenes, they do have like, aside, aside from the very top sort of executive people who you, who you might see talking, there's a whole load of people working at a regional level with hauliers and focusing on, you know, uh, specific issues. And there are actually a lot of good people that work there and do a lot of... Um, uh, do a lot of good things because they were very I remember that I don't remember the lady's name either if I went back into the emails I would probably be able to find it but yeah they were focused on security quite a lot weren't they and that's right Napsis Napsis uh-huh. Napsis that was it it'll come to me anyway we went to see him and, and he was very good and actually the M1 corridor they were having a hell of a lot of problems with it I think they've actually um, got to the bottom of it now but but it's like I said well surely if, if security was was as standard at all, you know, truck stops and things like that, not just ANPR, because that's easy to overcome with a false plate, you know, anything like that, then then surely it would be making it harder for them to do this. We've had tankfuls of fuel gone. We used to ask the lads, please don't fill up before you park up, but it's not always that yeah, simple. It's serious. I mean, it's a, a lay-by. Yeah, it's a serious problem, and it's been made worse as well by the fact you've got to go and put white diesel into trailers as well now. And yes. And plant and everything as well, which is a ludicrous thing to get rid of red diesel. I don't agree with agree with that, that at all. But, yeah, with security, if you're going to charge the amount the motorway service areas do, then you should have... A barrier, so and there should be yeah. a little guy in a little van, give him an Alsatian, I don't know, just to get and give let, him too. Yeah, and <laughs> just to go and drive about at night. That's all it needs. And there is no way that they cannot afford to do that with the amount that they are charging to park these trucks here. They're this is what, now, yeah. You'd said that Moto seemed to be leading the way with things like that. Now, Will from Commercial Motor has actually interviewed the AMD from Moto, and he's okay, he seemed pretty impressed by him because he said, Well. He said the MD seemed very willing to engage with things. He was willing to actually go with Will to mm. a motorway service area to go and see mm. what's going on and everything like that, which was going to go ahead, but that's now been um, trapped in PR hell. <laughs> you know, so oh. so I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's happened with it, <laughs> and don't quote me on, on that. But he he did no. say that he was really willing to engage, and hopefully, if they're willing to go and make some changes, because they're charging a premium, so you could you should at least get an average product for goodness sakes. Yeah, well, I, you know, Will, I spoke to, I, in fact, I remember picking my kids up from school and having a, a really good debate with Will years ago, this is. This is when we first started with the, with, with when I first started with Gillian with Trucker's Toilets. We'd not actually sort of joined company. We were working alongside, if you like, doing our own thing, Gillian and I, in the beginning. But then as time clicked on, she sort of started to hand it over a little bit more, but I still wanted Gillian there holding my hand. So even though... She is with me, um, and it is Gillian. The meetings and things I tend to do, it's easier for me to go to. And and with Hawley's not being her background, she doesn't particularly, you know, sort of understand a lot of the terminology, although I have educated her quite a lot. Um, but no, talking to Will, and it was that was when he, he handed me over, said, well, you know, truck and driver's more proactive, so you can blame him for me nagging you. So No, that's yeah. all. I mean, we were very proactive in 2020 through 2021 with things and that. I've changed my job title now, as people know in the podcast. You, you get all the update, up-to-date news for truck and driver on the podcast rather than the magazine. 
Because I don't... Right, you know, OK. I uh, well, I changed my job. I didn't have a particularly good year last year. I kind of pushed social media to the side and everything like that, just focused on getting the, mag- getting the magazine out the door and that. But, you know, we're back with a bang this, this year. Now we've got Andy there to focus on the magazine, which is a slow process because he's just getting his feet under the table and things. So it leaves me a lot more time to go and, like, do things like I was doing last yeah. Thursday, to go and turn up in Canic at that Transport Focus event. That's more more my side of things is going about and gathering news and doing features and writing about stuff and everything rather than sitting signing off the magazine and doing all the the, the subbing and proofing and all that which Andy yeah. is he's a really good sub editor and everything that is what he's good at whereas I would like to think that I am good at so I'm more I'm creative I like to get writing stuff and dashing about all over yes. the country and everything so yeah that's well going back so. You know, going back to the law change that we got in 2017, on the back of that, I don't understand what it is with government, but anybody that's any good gets moved on. And Chris Grayling was the transport secretary at the time. And on the back of of the law change, the HSE making it law at the beginning of November 2017, in, I think it was about May 2018, there's a document called a National Planning Policy Framework And every local authority in the country has to use that framework to have their own planning policy framework. So it's a bit like a guide. All these are the points that you must include and consider. Now, he brought in, it was originally Clause 107. It is now Clause 109 because these documents are constantly updated. And it states very clearly that any commercial development must or should and it needs to be changed to must, but because it's a should, consider overnight facilities for uh, collecting and delivering HGVs. Yeah. yeah, what this basically means is every driver will see it, all these super RDCs, these gigantic warehouses with loading docks that are appearing at the side of every motorway in the country. What this framework means is, we all know this, if you're going to go and build all that and go and attract hundreds of trucks to it, then you should be providing truck parking and facilities for the trucks that you yes. need to run your business. Yeah. And what that framework does is it basically says that you should be having to include truck parking in that. And what the current Roads Minister, Richard Holden, did say last week was, he was like, if councils are pushing back on any of this sort of planning stuff and all that, they'll go back and they'll basically overrule them. Yes. But it's still complicated because the people that are building these things naturally are probably going to want to wriggle out of it. They'll be like, oh, well, we don't, they won't look at it positively thinking, well, we could make money off a truck stop in addition to having, you know, our uh, factory or RDC facilities. But he said he would over, override it. So, yeah, the frame the framework's come in and it's been updated. You say, was that Grayling that introduced that? And then he left, yeah, was, it was it? it was, yes, it was. It was Chris Grayling. Literally before he left, it was it was like the week he left. And then this, this, this clause came in. Um, which, you know, credit to the man. But what I have done is I did email Richard Holden after our meeting and I did, because I did bring raise the question about the um, national planning policy. And I said to him, would it not be, would it be possible for central government to ask all sort of, you know, local areas, have you got this? Do you understand this clause? Have you written it into your policy? So, and then at least it brings home the fact that they've got to start to think about it. Well, you see, what's obvious to you and I, it isn't obvious to these people that are in so-called places, you know, powers that be. 
um, and it does have to be explained to them. The problem comes is when they ignore it. Well, if you've already, when they don't listen. If you've already got the planning permission for these super sites, and these things are enormous, there's absolutely yes. no excuse for not being able to provide truck parking on on all of these areas. Uh, it would be so easy to do. Um, and obviously, the, when it comes to planning, well, you've already built a gigantic RDC, so it's not going to be a problem putting something else on it. Not really, no. I mean, it's, it's again, local I, town, I would the same one. I would love to know examples, though, because all of these things have been, so many of these things have been built. Do any of them actually have parking attached? Is there any provision for it being built in at the moment? And I suspect there's maybe well, not. I don't know. No, well, Derbyshire County Council, I, it, I have actually got, I should actually ask the question, that is something to have got to do. Um, local town of Ashbourne, they're expanding their uh, industrial area and it was actually in Ashbourne, the car park in the town where the drivers have been parking because there isn't anywhere for them to park. On the industrial estates, they build all these industrial estates and then put double yellow lines. Yeah. You know, no parking, no overnight parking. Kent did the same. Where the hell are these people supposed to go? I mean, it's, it's hard enough trying to find somewhere to park when you've got a dirty, great 44-ton Arctic with you. You know, it's not that easy. Yeah, there's certain, um, areas, there's I, certain parts of the country, but it's just genuinely, if you're not in certain truck stops or parking by 6 o'clock at night, you're not going to get parked. The industrial no. states have all got double yellows on them. That's right. It can be really awkward with no, no, local knowledge. I think one of the most stressful aspects of driving is running late. And transport's yes. 24-7. Not everybody starts at 6 o'clock in the morning and finishes at 5 no. o'clock at night. So, no. yeah, it's horrible. If you're coming into a truck stop at half past 7, 8 o'clock at night and there's no spaces or there's, like, one space that nobody wants because it's a blind side in a dark corner and mm. it, that's one of the most stressful parts of, it's parts of driving is having to deal with that. And there should be, like, you should be guaranteed anywhere that you are in the country, you should know, oh, well, I'll get in there, it's not a problem. You shouldn't be having to overrun your hours or, or go out your way to try and get parked somewhere. But, you know, it's it's just not like that at the moment. I would like to know, I, I would like to see councils, like, sort of, know, they should know how many trucks are coming into their area. You know, they should, yes. they should know how many are coming in and then by law they should have to provide a percentage of truck parking because of the trucks and the industry that they've got in the local area, which is providing jobs for people because without those trucks people don't have employment in the factories and in all the supply chain that's involved around it. So there needs to be something done around that, but I'm not sure anything... There does. But going back to the local town of Ashbourne, I was saying, I mean, you know, again, the residents probably would kick off about it and it would be the minority of drivers that would spoil it for the rest by leaving a mess. I mean, car parks, by the very nature, are empty at night. Why couldn't local councils turn that over to some and have somebody, you know, go around and, you know, just either... A ticket, I don't know, five, ten pounds well, to park yeah, overnight. Like it. I've seen it. There's a, is it Bridge, yeah. Bridgewater down in Somerset, round about Junction 24? Yeah. That's like a market, like an agricultural right. market. And you can park in there. It's basically a car park and you can park on it at night. And there was facilities there. I've not been there for a few years. I don't know if it's still like that now. But yeah, that was an example of it. But a lot of car mm. parks, they go and put loads of curbs and barriers and stop people getting in with things. Yeah. 
and I know it's because they don't want certain people coming in and setting up camps. I know, yeah. Well, we've a got certain, that in our town, certain, so yes. A certain demographic of people who they don't yes. want coming in and setting up camp no. in, the, in, mm. in the area as well. But, you know, if they had somebody sort of manning it, but it's all, you know, so much, there's so much to do. I just really hope that this transport focus thing can help things. If anybody's listening that's got a truck stop or a petrol station or a garage or anything like that, there is funding available for facilities for truck parking, which you can access apparently quite easily. But I'm still waiting. There was supposed to be a video that they were sending me from the government explaining how to do all this, and I've still not got anything from them in that. You know, they were, they were uh, talking all the right stuff yeah. in the day. I'm like, come on, well, send me it now. I'll go and chase them up again. You know, you say, what's going on here? You know, don't forget about this. Don't turn up for a half an hour and then go and do your talking and go away. Look, this is a damn good conversation that we're having, really, because I think it's important drivers know that there are people that are doing something you know that we are trying to improve the facility issue and i know drivers some drive oh it'll never change i do understand that and no it won't ever suit everybody you know there's there's no one size fits all with this but surely if you could just at the end of the day get a hot meal a shower and a clean toilet that would be you know, so much better, surely. The other thing is, I was to talk about the driver shortage, and it was actually, um, again, one of the mother truckers, one of Wendy's ladies that um, corrected me, and she was right. And she said, there isn't a driver shortage. No, nah, we've always no. said that. There's nowhere yeah. near... There's a- it's the wrong phrase, actually. Mm-hmm. There's a shortage of people wanting to be drivers is the better way. You know, there are plenty of people with HGV licences, but they choose not to be in the industry. And why? I mean, for a start, it's pay. Smaller family-owned companies, they don't have the same staff turnover problems. We we didn't. We were only in a small way, and we had some quality drivers. And they stayed with us. We, we had them for many years, and we're still in touch with, the, with them and the families, some of them, So, which is lovely. But the bigger companies, you tend to get people in the offices that have never touched a, a steering wheel, lorry, gearbox whatever they wouldn't know oh, what one looked like. i mean we've i've taken issue with telematics before i've had people yes. wanting to go and like push telematics in trucks and I, I was like some of this stuff it's i was like that's a spy in the cab on the driver and you're not using it properly mm. either there was mm. literally cases of like a driver getting phoned up saying why are you using that engine brake so much the revs are in the blue stop oh. doing it and it's like well that's where it's supposed to be that's it working properly the guy knows what he's doing but these bizarre things, well, can you stop doing it? Because some sort of equation was telling them it was bad and they didn't want mm. it, which is just... It's just, this micromanaging. Yeah, it's wrong. Crazy. I mean, we... Yeah, you're always better. I, I would prefer to work for a sort of family-run firm. You're not just a number there. I know that there's benefits. Exactly. There's a different set of benefits to working for a big company. And some, whatever, yeah. it ultimately comes down to whatever fits you. But some of the big places I've been, when you like encounter them, if you're delivering to an RDC that runs its own transport fleet and you see all the stuff up on the walls, all the health and safety stuff that they're batting people over the head with and the, the stuff they've got in the truck that's like monitoring you all the time and everything. I'm like, well, I hope you're on a, a, a good salary for that because it really doesn't appeal to me at all. But, you know, these big super companies are, uh, you know, um, here... Well, here that was the big, that's the big buzzword with the larger aggregate companies in the UK, beginning with T... Uh, that, yeah, I uh, used 
Uh, yeah, and we, yeah, and it was like they were telling you, you will do this and you'll have a lorry to this spec. Yeah, I, 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 I did actually sit at a meeting and the red mist was descending and I was. Well, if, you you, know, if you want owner drivers to work for you, so you don't have the responsibility of your own transport fleet, you cannot then well, dictate to the finest detail what these people should be driving and what they should be doing with it. That is exactly, I sat there and I thought actually I was going to get lynched on the way out. And then, and then I'm thinking, we've got a, a vehicle that's livered to this and I'm going to be divorced when I get back because there's going to be a phone call. But it was a case of, you know, I said that, I said, well, look, you want all this. All right. Get yourself a few million, go and buy the lorries. I said, and good luck finding people to drive them because they are a little bit thin on the ground or words to that effect. And I did get a round of applause. In fact, I got a standing ovation. And I said, you're not paying, they weren't paying enough. It was an argument about the rates they were paying. And, to be honest, the rates do need to go up. For what investment as a company you make? I mean, it's upwards of what? A, is it about 170000 Yeah, tipper's. The thing is, well, a lot of trucks as well. A lot of guys had to get rid of their Euro 5 trucks prematurely That's because right. of scares over ULES zones and they were pushing for Euro 6s as well. And by rights were tippered, you should expect 12 years out it quite easily. There's guys that will run, their policy is to run a truck mm. its entire life. And they will uh -huh. maintain it themselves to a very high standard. And these uh -huh. aggregate companies were wanting people to get rid of them, which wasn't like sort of a, which they, they shouldn't have had the um, ability to go and say that. That's not good for the environment anyway, getting rid of trucks uh, prematurely and bringing new ones, uh, new ones in. Uh, but yeah, that, yeah, there's some of the aggregate companies are better to work for the, for the others. I do like going out and doing a week in an eight wheeler. I did one, for, did it for two years. And uh, yeah, so, some of the, some of them are nicer to work for the the than others. Some of them are more chilled out. And, um... Going back to the driver shortage, uh -huh. uh, you know, it's a case of really, it, it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, the, at the end of the day, without that driver gets behind that wheel, they can go all on the, they want about aut automated trucks and one thing and another. That is another, <laughs> that's no, that's another that's century. Not, that's no happening. I mean, an automated truck, no. it, might, it might work if it's running across the Arizona desert and everything like that. The British roads yes. are mayhem. Drivers do so yes. much. It's so complicated. Exactly. The thing would just come, the behaviour of other vehicles and all the hazards and everything like that, the thing would just... Quite often, you've got to be like quite cut and thrust and make split decisions to get out and get moving and everything like that. Mm -hmm. You've got to push mm -hmm. your way out into traffic and things. There's mm -hmm. certain roundabouts that you cannot get out on in a truck at busy times mm -hmm. without blocking somebody. And you've got to kind yeah. of just make eye contact to them and go, I'm going to come out here, sorry. Yes. And how's that? Please tell me how an automated truck's ever going to be doing any of that. It's, 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 and to be fair, nowadays, if a, if, a, if a lorry does pull out in front of you, it isn't long before they're up to speed. These these are incredible machines now. They've so much power. You know, it isn't like having an old Foden with a Gardner engine careful in front now. of you. you <laughs> To be able, my dad used to drive a very, very old company, donkeys years ago, Barlow and Hodgkinson. And when my dad first got his license, he said, well, I'll give you a trial, lad, but you'll have to work for nothing. And he did. He had to do a week for nothing to see if it was okay. But you get in the old gardeners and you'd be going up. There's a steep hill coming out of Ashbourne called Collycroft. Drivers listening on here will probably know it. And you used to be able to make a brew. By the time you'd set off at the bottom and got to the top, <laughs> it was all hot and ready to drink. Yeah, <laughs> uh, change times like I, I mean the equipment's never 
been better or like easier to drive. I did the Scania winter thing and they had a load of car people over there who'd never driven trucks and they were able to get in these trucks with an instructor on this course yes. and drive them straight away. Yeah. Which wasn't the case a few years ago. When the, no. the, the, the loss of the manual gearbox has made it so much easier, but the steering's so much lighter now and the things are so much more intuitive. People don't seem to be sort of attracted to machinery. I don't know, when little kids are growing up, unless your sort of parents have got a background in it to go and sort of nudge you in that direction, it seems. Because we were all obsessed growing up because everything on the telly, I've mentioned this before, you had the Dukes of Hazard, Knight Rider, the A-Team, yes, Convoy yes. smoking, and it was all to do with vehicles. It was cars and trucks all the way. And you could, you were like obsessed with all of that. And of course, you could go out on your bike all day and just disappear. You'd be like, uh, come back at five o'clock tonight. Nobody would see you or know where you were all day. So you'd be kind of active. No mobile phones. And you'd be yeah. active and out all the time. And of course, times do, times do change. But I don't it, see, it has changed. I don't know. You don't see kids and all that. Because I, I always looked at trucks. I remember watching Scania 142s and ERF E14s and Merck SK power liners and DAF 3300s going up and down the main street where I lived. And I would I would like be able to work out what was like the higher spec trucks. And I, re, I was really interested in them. I was obsessed with all that sort of stuff. And I don't think you sort of see that anymore. Are kids like looking at a yeah. Scania... 770s or a Volvo F816 and going, wow, I would like to drive that. They're not too many. I would like to be high up, out in the open road, my shades on, listening to music. Yes, because you know when it when the, the, it's not all bad. This job, if it was all bad, nobody would do it. When it's good, it's well, they would be but when it's good, there's nothing else like it. It's the best job in the world. When it's bad, it's pretty yes. bad. But you know, the good days kind of when you're having those good days, it kind of makes up for it all. You'll get a day. We're now into February. There will be a day comes in February where all of a sudden it's warm and it's sunny and you'll be rolling down the road in the afternoon and things have yes. gone right all day. And you'll be like, yes, I love this. And it'll kind of like, it'll, it'll like boost you up to go and endure all the crap you've got to endure for another time. And Just uh, getting that, getting like the sunny, perfect day. And I think, well, that's how it was. That's how it was for me anyway. Well, it was, I do remember when I was on, you know, in the tippers and you get your last load off and it was, it was, you know, hectic sometimes, and and it would be warm, and you get you'd have the window down, you turn the radio up, you're running back in, and it was like great, you uh, know. I had, had a week last year at Easter, just before Easter, I had the Volvo FM eight wheeler tipper, and I went out and did a week on the eight wheelers, running out of a uh, Cowslin Quarry, which is near Peebles which was one that mm. I used to run out of all the time in 2015-16. Nothing had changed, all the same staff there. I had a fantastic Hi. week in the tip art. It was sunny and everything. And that was when I came back in. I was like, I was. I don't want to do this job anymore. I don't, I don't want to be there as a trucking driver anymore. I'm going back to driving lorries and everything. And actually, that's where the seeds were sown for how we've recruited and things have moved on today. Because okay. I was yeah. like... I was like, well, I'd started the year, I'd done a week in a Scania 530S and I did a few shifts in an R540. I had the Volvo tipper and I was just that busy the whole way. And I was like, nah, I want to go, I was like, I want to go back to lorry driving. And they're like, no, no, you're not going back to lorry driving. You know, they go. But, but Dougie, <laughs> we, we've just, this is what we've just said. And I actually said it to someone on, on Thursday. You know, anybody can drive a lorry. Well, not everybody can be a lorry driver. It is two completely different things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to have a certain um, uh, attitude towards it and a certain... You need to have an understanding of a lot of things as well, like sort of... Uh, yeah. You know, you need to be a customer service person. You need to have an idea of geography as well. You know, people, you can't really depend on sat-navs the whole time because they don't get your bearings no. anywhere. 
where where you are with things and that. There's a whole entire load of things that you need to do. Do but you see, it's always I mentioned in the last podcast. There's a shortage of good drivers, and you know people are wanting. There's not enough sort of uh, really sort of skilled, motivated, happy drivers and things. And there's massive opportunity for anybody who wants to come in at the bottom end and let yeah. and learn. You know, if you show but, a willingness to learn, you'll get a start somewhere. And if you're willing to pick it up and be enthusiastic, then the world's your oyster. It you is. Know, so. But that that's another thing. And whether it is down to – this is another subject. And whether it is down to um, the sort of people now that are, are coming through because they've grown up with computer games or whether it is management not training them properly, but where not too far from where we live, um, the amount of Arctics that have followed the sat-nav, and um, it is literally, it comes down to, it's 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 not wide enough hardly for, for yeah, me to get my... I don't, yeah, I don't like that. I always run, well, my, ideally I will try and take my truck, if I'm tramping somewhere, I like to take my truckers atlas with me and I'll run two sat-navs as well. I like to run Google Maps, which is car sat-nav, which gives you alternate routes, and I like to run a truck sat-nav as well when I'm running, so I've got those three different things. And I've seen myself, if it looks wrong, then it probably is. You know, I've done it myself. I've ended up down roads where I'm like, where I'm like, literally, I can hardly get the trailer around the corner. And I'm like, I'm like oh, you know, I wish I really yeah. wish I hadn't done this. But yeah, there are some obvious places where there's signs up and trucks still go down there anyway. People well, follow Dad, it. Dad used to say, Dad used to say, if it doesn't look right, get out, go down and have a look. And at night, we used to sit because he'd be doing the same and we'd have pieces of paper and you would write your route down and your road numbers and things like that you know we didn't have sat navs back in back in, i'm sounding really old well, no, sat -nav, i mean sat navs <laughs> are an absolute fact of life now people are saying oh what yeah. you need is a box of maps well nobody is going to go back to doing that but i think if you've got a map there then you can see where you are in conjunction everywhere else which isn't yes. as easy to see on a sat nav and yeah. sometimes you lose sometimes with... as well see if you run a sat nav and you know where you're going do all your normal routes and sometimes i'll run it because it gives you traffic information if you know the best route to get in somewhere watch what your sat nav does and quite often it will route you some nonsense route that isn't yeah. correct you need to have an element of local knowledge so it's always worth asking you know, i would always be on the phone to other drivers as well saying and i think a lot of drivers who are listening to this would do this as well you've probably got a couple of drivers on the phone who've been everywhere and done everything They'll phone them up and go, how do I get in here? I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, there is that. But the other thing, don't you find that if you follow, I, I, I'm this with the car, yeah. if I'm following a sat-nav to get somewhere, I forget my route. Yeah, you won't, yeah, you do find that, yeah, you won't learn that. You've got, if you're following no. sat-nav, it might take you several repetitions to go and yes. work it out. But if you've actually got to go and follow directions or yeah. if you're doing it on the phone to somebody and they're directing you in somewhere, then you will remember it. Whereas sat-nav, you yeah. tend to drive an autopilot more. Yeah, there, there's behaviours which have kind of come out of all that which haven't really been f fully ex fully explored uh, no. for getting Same. in and out of places. Hi. <laughs> anything else you want to cover on this we're over the hour mark it's absolutely flown in well it has really we've had a lot to say haven't we i mean yeah. we could make this regular if you want a catch up you know as regards the facility uh, yeah definitely because, because we want it because well i need to go and chase them up and go find out what's happening with us because people need to know that the funding's out there and be able to access it as well mm. uh, and you know the, the, this whole transport focus thing lorry drivers and the roadside facilities you, 
user experience, this this um, pamphlet that they've done where they've scored all this and what they're going to do next. Yeah, they need to be chased up to make sure that this is being followed up on and it's not just being like sort of pushed to one side. And like you say, there's always a concern with the government, especially with the way it is at the moment, whereby they'll go and... Well, Rishi Sunak might resign next week and then we've got a new PM who's going to bring an entire new cabinet of people and there's no, continu- and there's no, no continuity yeah, with any of this if they keep exactly swapping right. and changing. You need to well, have people... If you're going to take on a role like that in government, I think you should have to take it pretty much for the full term. You know, even if the Prime Minister goes... The, the whole background of all these people, you should have to go and do it for the full term. You shouldn't be chopping and changing every few months because somebody new comes in at the top and they want to go shift the cabinet about. But that's... You know. mm. And just on... Just finally, yes. if uh, everybody listening, if you go onto Facebook, it's Truckers Toilets UK, but it is called 37 Plus now. There's a story behind that, which I won't go into. But anyway, and it's the purple logo... And on there, one of the most recent posts, I keep posting it, is the HSE legislation that states drivers have to have access to toilet facilities. You can either log on with your phone and have a look and flash it at somebody if they're being particularly awkward or print it off. But also let staff, you know, your, uh, you know, in the office and one thing and another know exactly what, what it is and they can support you with it. Um, the other thing I was going to say you know, any drivers listening to this, unfortunately, drivers, you're going to have to sort of stand up for yourself a little bit, do it politely uh, and be respectful when you go into facilities. Leave it as you would like to find it. If it's a mess, report it. Um, you know, unfortunately, there is a minority amongst us that will spoil it for the rest. Um, the majority of us are pretty well trained, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's been fantastic, Sam. Thank you so much for coming on. We will get you back on the podcast again uh, in a few weeks' time and all that. We'll see what's happened with all this stuff going forward and everything. Yeah. So, like I said, that's it to everybody. The government have apparently listened and they are saying all the right things and there are supposedly uh, a lot of things getting put in place. So, in a couple of years' time, we should see a notable improvement to facilities. It's only just to start... Uh, but you know, at least they have acknowledged it. So we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens next. You know, right, we are yeah. we are everybody is rightfully sort of you know a bit cynical and saying, okay, well you know, let's see what you do next. But you know, yeah, they have. Well, I shall. It looks I shall like let they started. You, they have. I shall let Gillian know what trouble she's she's caused. And um, as I say, I shall be eternally grateful for for her to for for doing this. And. Um, it's taken 10 years. We knew we were in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, it shouldn't take this long, but like you say, it's good old politics and everything that gets in the way. And hopefully, it will be lovely to think in 10 years, maybe, mm-hmm. that the UK, the facilities for drivers, probably was better than it is on the on the continent because you hear a lot of drivers that do go over the water um, and say how good the facilities are over there. You know, we should be of that standard or better. Yeah, should be at least the at least the same. And there's no reason why there's no reason why not why not at all. No. Cool. cool. Well, thank you very much for that. Welcome. Cool and wonderful. Cool. Thank you very much, Sam Bradley, Truckers Toilets UK. Check them out on Facebook. It's listed as thirty-seven plus. You can also find her on Twitter. Give her a follow. Thank you very much. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.